when you work for the bigger companies, right, the Microsoft, the Googles of the world, they have a very structured career ladder. And it's probably a little bit harder to move faster because they have very specific guidelines and they know exactly when you should be promoted. You are listening to the Spark Your Success podcast. Connecting corporate professionals to better opportunities and entrepreneurs to better business with your host. Just in case you forgot. Just in case you forgot. Leander Howard II. This is the only podcast providing a blueprint on how to navigate the corporate ladder for professionals all across the world while also providing resources and tools for you to start or scale your business. That's right. This is real people obtaining real results. And now, your host. Leander Howard II. What's going on, everybody? It's Leander Howard II checking in once again. Welcome back to the Spark Your Success podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and corporate professionals be better in their career and life. Today, we have Maya Grossman. Is right? Is Grossman right? Maya Grossman on the call. Um, VP, marketing guru best-selling author, podcaster, blogger, the whole nine, man. I'm very, very excited um, to have her on today. We actually got a chance to touch base because I was featured on Jumpstart in February of 2021, um, their Black History class, Black History Month Masterclass. So um, that's how me and Maya connected, and I most definitely wanted to get her on the podcast. And just thank you for being here, Maya. So please let the people know who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you for the intro and thank you for inviting me, Leander. Very excited to be here. Uh, Who am I? I'm a marketer. I've been doing marketing for almost 15 years. Uh, As you mentioned, currently I'm the VP of Marketing at Jumpstart. Um, And in the past year, I took the time to write a book about career development. It's called Invaluable. And as you mentioned, it uh, hit a bestseller Uh, on Amazon. And um, now I'm combining both of my passions, both marketing and career development in my day to day. Man, that's, that's awesome. Like I did, I did see that you're a a career coach too. So I was most definitely um, some interested in that. I looked over in Valuable and I am going to purchase the book too. Um, I know we just met, so I had to get you on the podcast. I didn't get a chance to read it, but I did, I did do my my research on what the book is about. And I think it's phenomenal, man, the 10 to 10 soft skills. So we'll talk about that a little bit in the, in the podcast. Um, <laughs> we got some, got some things to talk about. It's very, very interesting. So, but first and foremost, I want to start off with like, really with the backstory, like who was, who was Maya as a kid? What did, what did she enjoy? Oh, wow. Uh, flashback <laughs> as a kid. Um, I'm, I'm, I consider myself an introvert and I was a little bit shy when, when I was younger. Um, and we also moved a lot. I was an army brat. My dad was in the army everywhere he went, we followed. So I had to really make friends over and over again throughout my childhood. Um, and we never really stayed in one place for a really long time. So, um, I had to get good at talking to people, introducing myself, um, but it was also terrifying. When we finally landed somewhere, I was about 15, and that's when I really started to become a little bit more confident, became part of a bigger group, and I was always obsessed with school. I was told that education is the most important thing. My dad was very specific about it, Um, so I was very competitive, 
when it came to my grades. Um, I was the annoying person who would compare grades with everyone after every test, just to know that I was at the top 10% at least. Um, and I, I'm originally from Israel. So when I graduated from high school, I actually enlisted to the army because um, mm. in Israel, it is mandatory to join and oh, serve wow. your country for two years. And that what I, what, what I did, I wasn't in combat. I was a computer technician in the Air Force. But that experience told me a lot about accountability. It gave me a lot of independence. Um, and it really helped shape who I am today. Man, that's crazy. The army. How was how was that? Like what what does that look like in Israel? Yeah, to us it feels almost normal because everyone serves. If you that's don't cool. serve, then someone you know, it looks a little bit weird, like, what's wrong with you? Why weren't you in the army? Right. Um, and it's two years where, yes, you do get some of the basic training. I had to learn how to use a weapon and different things like that. But I think more than that, it's about becoming more independent, right? Because you have to leave home. You have to go and stay somewhere else for, for two years, even though you get to, to visit. Um, and you suddenly have... A commander that tells you what to do. You're not a kid anymore. You right. actually hold people's lives in your hand. And I think it's a really great exercise in growing up, becoming more responsible and more accountable. And it really shapes who you are as a person. So it was, it was definitely challenging, at least at the beginning, until you get used to it because it's such a big change. Yeah. But once you get in the system, um, I think it really becomes part of you and it really gives you that confidence then to step out and either go to college or get a job, but almost as an adult, not as a child anymore. Hey, were you 18 when you went to the army? Yes. Yeah. I was 18 and discharged at 20. Wow, man, that's a big transition from 18, like to go straight into the army. Um, I guess my question for you is like, what was your biggest takeaway? You know, but I mean, I know you talked about a little like discipline and and, you know, getting thrown into the fire. Right. So, like, what did you <laughs> what did you learn from being in the army that transitioned to over, you know, becoming a marketing guru like out of <laughs> out of college? Um, I think mostly it teaches you about people and how much you are responsible and accountable for for one another. I think it's easy when you're younger to just think about yourself and be very selfish. But when you depend on other people to get your food, to make sure that you're, you're all, you know, um, completing the day or completing a mission together, you really learn about accountability. And I think you start to see what real leadership looks like. Mm. So then when you get out of the army, you can apply those skills. And hopefully, as my example, you can actually grow and move up the ladder very quickly because you have a lot of the skills you need. Mm, that's good. So <laughs> would you say that's directly correlated to your success? I mean, 10 promotions in 15 years is no joke, Maya. That's pretty phenomenal stuff. So I know the average promotion is like three years. So when I seen that you had 15 10 promotions in 15 years, that's yeah. at, what's one and a half years. 
every one and a half years you're being promoted. So you cut that in half. You know what I mean? That's just not that's not that's not that's not everyday. That's not everyday things that any corporate professional can do. Um, and I'm glad you wrote the book Invaluable to teach other people how to do it. But I want to hear it here on the podcast. Like, what does that even look like? How did you even transition from being promoted 10 times in 15 years? Yeah, I think it depends on a few different things. First and foremost is your surrounding and the company you work for. When you work for the bigger companies, right, the Microsoft, the Googles of the world, they have a very structured career ladder. And it's probably a little bit harder to move faster because they have very specific guidelines and they know exactly when you should be promoted. When you work for smaller companies, usually they don't have that amount of structure. So if you're proactive, if you start taking on more responsibilities and you show results, it's actually very easy to get to a place where you're already doing the job that you should be doing in your promotion. And all you need to do is go back and say, hey, by the way, can I get the title? Because I'm already doing it. And that's what I did for the majority of my career, right? I just did more because I cared about the company because I identified problems and I wanted to fix them. And I didn't wait for anyone else to tell me, hey, it's your turn. I just did the work and then asked to be recognized for it. Mm. Do the work and then ask to be recognized. I like that. You dropped the gems <laughs> already. So I did happen to watch some YouTube videos, right? And I seen that you said you used to be the person that got shit done. Yes. Right? But it's also about the person that gets the right shit done. Please, big difference. <laughs> please elaborate on the difference and speak to how what you just mentioned, right? Getting things done, but getting the right things done. How did that catapult your career and let higher or executives know that she's capable of doing what she needs to do? Yeah. I think if you try to understand the difference, let me give you a little bit of um, a story. So when I joined Microsoft, I was about to join a global team. And I was very concerned that I'm going to have to work 24-7, right? If you work with people all around the world, you always have to be available. So I asked my manager, what's the expectation, right? How many hours should I be giving? And I will never forget what he said. He said, I don't care about hours. Mm. I care about outcomes. If you do your job, I don't care when you do it, do it in the morning, in the evening, whatever you need. Yes, some days you'll need to be in the office for meetings, but apart from that, do your own thing. And that really made me understand, you know, it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. It's not about outputs, it's about outcomes. Mm. And even though I got that idea, I was terrified. Because, you know, I had, a, I had a checklist. I needed to do so many different things. I couldn't drop the ball. But I kept thinking about it. And I said, let's do an experiment, right? Okay. I uh, took my entire task list. And I tried to prioritize it, right? I put on the top the things that, like, has to be done, super important. Um, and eventually, I completely eliminated the bottom 20%. And that took off like probably seven or eight tasks. I, did, I just didn't do them. Completely ignore them. You know what happened? Absolutely nothing. I had more time to do the important things well. And that really demonstrated 
you should invest more of your time in the things that matter, the things that move the needle, the things that make your team successful, your manager successful, or yourself successful, and try to eliminate the tasks that are just nice to have. And yeah, it just worked really, really well. That's a very great point. I read that um, on the, in the backstory of your, of your book, the 80-20 rule. I, I, I like it a lot, 80%. And then you cut out, you cut out the rest, the 20%, because it's nobody will ever know that you cut it out. Um, I want you to kind of, I don't want to skip over that. So like what steps do people take, right? If I have a list and how do I even prioritize what's a priority? You know what yeah. I mean? Because I think a lot of people actually, they might write down a list of 20 tasks, but how do they know what's really important? Like, how do you bridge that gap between, okay, what do I really need to get done? And what can fall into that 20%? Yeah, that's a really good question. So it starts with goals. You need to know what you're trying to achieve. And usually the more senior you are, those goals uh, will get closer to revenue and you know, part of the, the company's mission. Right. And maybe when you're earlier on, your task would be about completing things. And that's okay, right? I think your goal is to look at every task and ask yourself, is this gonna move me closer towards my goal? If the answer is yes, 100%, no problem, you need to do it. If the question is, ah, maybe, (laughs) then you need to double down and figure out if if it's gonna be worth your time to invest in this. And for some tasks, it's gonna be really easy to say, nah, I mean, it will be nice, but it's not actually going to help. And I can give you an example, but I think it it actually starts with understanding the difference between outcomes and outputs. And it's very easy to explain in marketing because there's so much fluff. So if you're a marketer, right, and you look at your work and you say, hey, I wrote three blog posts and my goal for my manager was to write three blog posts. Theoretically, you've done well, but that's Mm. not the point. Why did you have to write those blog posts? Because you wanted to get attention from potential customers. You wanted people to see it, to get interested, and maybe even click through to see your demo. So if you look just at the fact that you wrote blog posts, it's irrelevant. But if you look at those blog posts and you you see how much traffic they drove to your website, then that's relevant. And if you drove zero traffic, which I've seen before, then you didn't do your job. It would have been much better to write one blog post, but make it so good that it will drive the traffic that you needed. So you really have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? And how is it going to move me closer to my goals? Man, you hit it spot on. I think it's not even just for marketers. Like being an entrepreneur, I tell my team, I say everybody has a role to play to generate revenue for the business. Everybody, everybody in the organization is generating revenue for the business because if somebody misses one thing, the whole team is screwed. Just like one flat tire (laughs) uh, can control your reaching your destination. You can't drive too far (laughs) if if your tire's flat, you know, you got to pull over or have somebody, you know, come, come pick up your car. So I think it it comes down to really understanding the from a holistic view what the goal is, 
um, and how we're going to reach it, but making sure that everybody knows why they're important when it comes to having a team. And I mentioned that because I know that you were an entrepreneur um, at one point, I think. So you had your own business. I want to talk to you a little bit about that too, man, because I see a lot of people in corporate that feel like they can't be an entrepreneur or have that extra stream of income. Um, but I always tell people like, hey, you're doing a certain job for an organization already. You can take that same skill set and put it towards creating a six to 10 or an extra stream of income for yourself. So I want to know your backstory on, first and foremost, what made you create your own business? And then how did you even get big clients like Google to, to hire you? So what you're telling me is you earned a high level degree or high level certification, but have yet to find a high level paying job because your instructors taught you everything you needed to do the job, but not how to get the job. Well, I'm here to solve your problem with our all-in-one Spark Your Career Job Seeker Edition course. Yes, we made the course for you specifically because we know universities and boot camps don't teach you the skills to professionally brand yourself as a top performer in your industry. Just a heads up, you will be selling yourself for the rest of your life. Kind of like what I'm doing right now in this advertisement. But I hope it's working. I'm just here to pass along the information that could possibly help you get a high paying job. Now that you've probably spent thousands of dollars learning a new skill to not get hired. I'm only telling you this because I was once in your shoes not too long ago. Graduated from college and applying for 150 plus jobs to receive two offers. But nobody was there to educate me on the importance of having an accomplishment-based resume, an award-winning LinkedIn profile, or even how to navigate the LinkedIn platform effectively. But it's okay. I'm here, ready to help you land your dream job three times faster. Don't wait, don't hesitate, and enroll in our Spark Your Career Job Seeker Edition course today for $97. Yes, only $97. It's a steal, I know. All right, see you soon. Now back to the episode. Yeah. Just like every good story, very serendipitous. Um, I am, as I mentioned, originally from Israel and I moved to the U.S. a few years ago. And when I moved here, I didn't have a job, didn't have a huge network. And, you know, I was thinking about applying to different jobs. So I was reaching out to the few people I did know and telling them what I'm looking for. And for some reason, one of them said, hey, you know what? In the meantime, would you mind just consulting for me for my business? I know that you're a great marketer. Maybe you can help me. And I said, yeah, sure. And I did it for free, right? Mm. Um, and that person referred me to, to someone else. And within a couple of weeks, I actually got um, a call from my previous manager from Microsoft telling me someone at Google, they know, is looking um, for a marketer in he thought he should connect us. So it was all around just networking and people that I knew. But here's the caveat. The reason all those people wanted to work with me and were willing to recommend me um, is because they had a really good experience with me, right? right. I worked like I gave 120% when I worked with them. Yep. I respected them and I, and I you know, created results. So they remembered me even five and seven years after and we're willing to make that recommendation. So it did take time and effort. It wasn't that easy. Um, and because it kind of just 
got its own momentum, I said, you know what, let's, let's try it out. Maybe it will be interesting for me not to be employed, but to have my own business and do consulting. And I did that for almost two years. But what I realized was I miss people. I miss having a team and being more of a leader. Um, and I miss being part of a bigger mission and a bigger product. And that's why I eventually decided to go back to the startup world. Right. Yeah, I did see the startup. Um, so it was a VC startup, right? Uh, Jumpstart, yeah. Well, Cola. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, Cola was actually before um, I had my own business. Right. Yes, yes. 2017. So can you talk to me a little bit about the startup world too? Like, what does that look like as a VP of marketing in a startup? Um, and what skill sets does someone need to actually become a, a vice president? Yeah, good question. I'm still not sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, here's the thing. I, I tried everything in my career. I've been yeah. to the bigger companies. I've been to the smaller startups. And I know where I feel the most fulfilled. And that's with a smaller organization because I love mm. to build and I love to make an impact. And sometimes when you work for the bigger companies, you can feel like a small cog in a big machine and Most it's definitely. harder to see, you know, how influential your work is Yeah. in a smaller startup. You know, I make a decision on a Monday, it's executed by Thursday and the next week I can already see results and it's so empowering, yeah. but it doesn't come without its challenges, right? A startup can be a little bit more chaotic. You know, the company's still trying to find product market fits. They'll try to figure out who's the best audience. There's so much to do that it can get a little bit overwhelming for some people. Yeah. But if you're the kind of person that learns by doing and experimenting, you're gonna love it because yeah. you basically have every opportunity to just try things out and see if they work um, because there's a lot more openness to, to failing and making mistakes. So it's a great, uh, it's a great educational experience if you're, if you're ready to learn this way. But um, my journey in the startup world started very early. Even in my early days in marketing, I worked for an agency, but all of my clients were startups. And I kind of got a glimpse into this world, into the tech world and VCs. And it seemed so interesting, but it also seemed very scary to me. So I stuck with bigger companies for a little while, understood that, you know what, I like it, but not as much as that startup world that looks so interesting. Um, and then I met my husband, who's an entrepreneur, and now building oh, wow. startup number three. So I got to see what it looks like from the inside. And I realized, you know what, I have to try this out before I'm too scared to make changes in my career. And that's when I got to Kolu. And I actually got to meet the CEO through their investors because I was oh, wow. so embedded in the industry. I knew everyone. Um, they just, once again, recommended me. Um, I had a conversation with the CEO and we really clicked and decided to give it a try. And I actually didn't start as a VP. Mm. Here's a lesson for you. I joined as the head of marketing, director of marketing, however you want to call it. Right because I've never done that before, right? And that company was taking a chance on me, but they were not ready to give me the VP title. But I negotiated and I told the CEO, not a problem. I'm gonna come in however, you know, with whatever title we decide on, 
But in six months or 12 months, I want to have a conversation. And if I'm hitting all my goals, if I'm doing everything you need me to do, I would want to have that VP title. Mm. And as you can see on my resume, I got it because yeah. I got the job done, but I wasn't afraid to ask for it. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They'll tell mm. you no. Man, that's, you just hit it on the nail. Like, I think people <laughs> need to understand, like, people are not going to know what you want if you don't speak about it. Exactly. That comes with entrepreneurship, wanting jobs, really anything out of life. Like nobody can read your mind. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with voicing their opinions or being too afraid to, you know, speak what they believe in. Um, so like, I, I kind of want to, I don't want to miss the startup phase too, because you got some, you some really great points there. Of like what, what other benefits besides having like the free reign um, does the startup world give you over a fortune 500 company because i think a lot of us you know you see a lot of young kids and graduates coming out of college i gotta work at google i gotta work at microsoft i gotta work at netflix like but i think it's also we're changing that the, i think the retrospect is changing now due to the fact that we have people like yourself and other influential people going to these smaller companies and making things happen Right. Making them big names. Right. And and they get to see the growth. They get to see the impact that people are making. So if someone is like you that is willing to do the work, uh, they they love the hustle. Right. And they have the grit and determination to to get things done and get their hands dirty. I think a startup world would be perfect for them. Right. But maybe someone that just wants some experience, you know, more laid back, uh, want to get to know the corporate route, maybe scared, timid. Right. To take that startup route might go to Fortune 500. So I kind of want you to break down to, since you've been in both, right? You got a, you got a well-versed background. You've been in both areas. What would you say is the biggest differentiator between Fortune 500 and startups? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of differences. Um, yeah. I think first and foremost, at least from my experience, the culture is a little bit different. Um, in a startup, especially if it's early stage, right? 10, 15, 20, 50 people, you still know everyone. So it feels like this big family. Yeah. In a bigger corporation, you might know your, your team really well, but not necessarily everyone around you. Yeah. I remember <laughs> when I joined Microsoft, it took me probably six months just to understand the company organizational Station. structure. Oh. It was so hard to understand who does what. It's just so complicated. Yeah. And it means that you don't really get to talk to everyone. You usually just talk to a few of the teams that you work with. Um, I think you hit on a really good point. If you know what you want to do, so let's say, you know, you're fresh out of college and you know finances for me. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And I would say 100% go and find a bigger company and specialize, become an expert. Because in that type of company, you're going to have a very structured route. You're going to work with people who are the best in their field. And you'll be able to double down on that one thing. If you want to experiment, if you're not sure where you want to go, maybe product, maybe marketing, maybe sales. I say go to a startup because you're going to get to wear so many hats. Mm. And as long as you're willing to do the work, you'll probably be able to try anything you want, see what it feels like. And if you like something and you invest in it, I think um, your ability to grow with the company and move up the ladder, that's going to happen a lot faster. 
I like that. I most definitely agree. Um, just me being an entrepreneur myself. <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, a family-oriented culture. Um, I know for myself, I'm building like a team sports-like culture when it comes to Spark Your Resume, but I'm working at Adobe too, right? And it's 25,000 people. It's no way I'm reaching 25,000 people and I've been there for six months, you know what I mean? Now I do take time to network and meet different people from cross-functional teams. And I also think that helps. Um, but when it comes to having that startup, I think you have no choice, right? But to know pretty much everybody in the company because you're most likely working together, you're figuring out problems, solving different uh, bottlenecks within the business. So I think it's very interesting to be in that startup space, um, but that's a great point. I'm glad you broke that down for us. Now, I did look into the book. I kind of want to transition to your book, talk a little bit about that. Um, so what is an invaluable employee, right? So I see that you have the typical employee and an invaluable employee. So what differentiates the two? Yeah, well, there are definitely a lot of subtle differences that I share in the book, but in high level, yeah. an invaluable employee is someone that a company wants to retain no matter what. It, it's someone that is almost irreplaceable because the value that they bring is 10x from anyone else. And it's not just because they're good at their profession. It's because they think holistically. They can see the uh, bigger picture. They understand the company goal and they know how to execute their own tasks really, really well. And it's a very rare combination when you're able to do both and navigate between the two so that you're always thinking about the best interest of the company and not just your own. Mm. How do you stay up to date with new job opportunities? Still using email? How do you connect with people in your industry? Still sending cold messages? We have something better, more engaging, more personalized, more seamless. Spark Your Resume has built a community with you, the corporate professional in mind. Get started with our career discovery quiz, whether you're an entry-level, mid-career, or executive professional. This quiz will help us learn more about you so we can help you land your dream job three times faster. Once you join our community, we will send you weekly jobs from the best opportunities in the market. We'll provide you with industry-leading professional development resources such as our interview guide, resume rubric, resume checklist, and LinkedIn checklist to help you build your digital brand. We will host workshops and webinars educating you on how to develop your brand as a top performer in your industry. You will get weekly career advice and updates from our industry experts. You will have access to connect with like-minded professionals within your industry via our direct messaging feature. You will have access to everything you need to land your dream job three times faster like a true champion. Join our community today. Spark your resume, helping real people obtain real results. Man, making it not, like it's not about you. I think yeah. that's key. I think that's key though. I think that's I think that's key with any with anything in life. Like like this podcast, I make it about you, not about spark your success. I asked you to be on the podcast. I'm making it about you. I've done my research, right, to understand what you've done, how you do things. And then I get the, the inside scoop by actually talking to the person, right? I think the same thing goes for a company, like understanding their values, where they want to go, their targets, their goals, and then implementing yourself to where you're driving that impact. 
to where you're helping them achieve that goal. And that's how you become an invaluable employee. 100%. But I do want to ask too, like, how has being an invaluable employee, because I'm pretty sure you're an invaluable, <laughs> invaluable employee, right, wherever you go, um, how has that catapulted your career? And I would say, if you weren't an invaluable employee, do you think you would have reached the 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 milestones that you achieved so thus far in the past 15 years? Um, funny enough, I know that I couldn't be where I am today without it. Right. I started my marketing career in an agency. And if and that was like more than 10 years ago. And if I look back, some of the colleagues I worked with are probably still doing the same thing. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, they're not great. Oh, Maybe that's their career path and that's what they chose. Of course. But I can see a real difference when you're not going the extra mile. But let me let me give a good example of what does it look like to be invaluable in real life and how it affects your your work. So. I joined this agency, small company, just seven or eight people. Um, the founders were constantly looking to bring in new business and new customers. And we were just like doing our job, right? We were five or, uh, account managers and we were responsible for a few clients each. And at some point we were growing so fast that it was impossible to really control it, right? I had like seven or eight customers. It's so hard to manage all of them and do it really well. And I saw that things were kind of falling apart. And it really bugged me because I loved the founders. I loved the company. I was excited about what I was doing. And it made me stop and think, okay, how can we fix this problem? And I thought about it for a little bit. And then I came up with a plan. And when I say plan, I mean a word document with five bullet points <laughs> that basically said, you know, here's, here's everything that's going wrong. And here are five things we can do to fix it, right? We need a manager. It, there are too many account executives without a manager. We need to have some processes and templates. So mm -hmm. we deliver the same, um, the same level um, of service to our customers. Yep. And we need this and this. And I reached out to the CEO and I said, hey, you know, you're not really sitting with us executive, uh, account executives, you're looking for customers. So I wanted to make sure that you know this is happening. There's a bit of a mess, but don't worry, we can fix it. Here's what you should do. I think you should go and hire a manager. And he looked at me, all smiles, and basically said, you know what? You're absolutely right. You're the new manager, sure. go <laughs> fix it. That was the conversation. One day I was a colleague, the next day I was leading the team. And anyone in that room could have done exactly the same thing. I didn't, it wasn't like a crazy idea. I wasn't super like talented or smart. I just cared enough yep. to do something about it. And that's how I got my first opportunity to be a manager. You saw a problem and came up with a solution. Yep. People that fix problems <laughs> will always be at the top of my list. Always. I mean, that's business. That's life. Solving problems day in and day out. Entrepreneurs solve problems. We see a problem, we create something to solve. It's just that simple. That's what businesses are doing. Google solving a problem. YouTube, Microsoft, Jumpstart. Like all of these businesses have a goal, they have a mission. It's a problem that they've seen or most likely the founders 
experienced this problem and needed a solution for it. And they said, nobody's going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Yep. They build a team around them that believes in the same vision and mission and get things going. So you took the initiative. I think the initiative is the initiative is the word that I'm looking for when it comes to being an invaluable employee. Take initiative. People don't take enough initiative to do the things that need to be done. Yeah. And I think if you do that, you'll be good. You'll be good. If you can solve a problem, I promise you, you'll be you will be an invaluable employee. You're a resource now. Because now that, that company needs you. You're an asset. Because without, without you, we're missing a piece, right? That well-oiled machine isn't so well-oiled anymore. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and I, I, can't, I can't miss over this either. I've got like two more questions. So an average promotion, again, is three years. It took you one and a half on average to get promoted. Right. So for someone listening right now who wants to be promoted, what is their first step to take within their organization right now to even let their manager or hierarchy know that that's what they're looking for? What does that conversation look like? Yeah, um, it really depends on your relationship with your manager. So if you um, have a great relationship I would say, sit down with them and tell them, here are my career aspirations. This is my goal in 18 months. I want to be in this level. If your organization has a very clear career ladder, then you can already map out the stages and then just ask your manager to help you figure out how to gain that experience. Um, if you don't have that, ask your manager, what is it going to take for me to get to that level? What can I do and how can we build different tasks uh, to give me that experience? Unfortunately, not everyone are that lucky to have, you know, a great manager that right. wants to help them develop. So if you're not in that situation, you can do some of that work on your own. And here's what I mean. Identify what the next step is, right? If you're maybe a manager, you want to be senior manager, right? Mm -hmm. um, go and look at job descriptions for senior managers in your industry, in your profession. Look at least at five, six, seven of them and pull out all of the different skills and qualities that you're going to need and essentially create the ideal candidate profile that mm. if you were perfect, here's everything that you'll know how to do. Mm. And then um, look at where you're at right now, be very honest and start ranking all of those skills. Do you know them? Are you good at it? Or do you have absolutely no experience, right? So maybe some of these things you already know, and that's not something you need to work on. And maybe you've never done them before. So that's something that's going to be a top priority. You're going to end up, let's say, with five or six different skills and experiences you need to gain. Now it's your job to become an opportunity digger. And we talk about it in the book. Um, and create those opportunities for yourself. Here's what I mean by create for yourself. Let's say you need leadership experience and your manager is not going to give you the head count anytime soon. Go find someone in the organization that's more junior than you and just coach them. 
that's leadership experience, even if you, you don't do it directly, you know, under a manager title. Maybe you want to learn how to, um, you know, create a website or write content, and it's not part of your job. Go work with a different team and volunteer to give them two or three hours of your time every week. Do it after hours. Don't do it on the expense of your day job. You still need to do your day job while you're gaining those skills. Yep. And you can also gain skills outside of work, right? You just said build a project, volunteer, help yeah. other people. You can learn so much from just doing a job. Um, you can become, you know, if you want to learn about social media, go post on LinkedIn, build a community for yourself, prove you can do it, even if you don't do it in your day job. That's not a problem. It's still experience. And hopefully as you gain those skills, you start doing some of that work slowly so that eventually you're actually doing the work you should be doing in your next level. And that's when you go and have the conversation of, hey, you know, I've actually been doing a senior manager's work. Is it a good time to have a conversation about a promotion? Mm, test the waters. Yep. Test the waters. That, prove that you can do it. What's the bigger challenge for managers when someone asks for a promotion? They don't know if you're mm. ready. But if you're Oops. already doing the job, there's no question about it. They know you can do it. It's just about internal politics. Can they give you the, the title or not? Outcome, not output. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. This is, this is dope. Um, what's one goal you have as the VP of Jumpstart now? One of my main goals, I mean... As a whole, the company has an incredible mission, right? We want to make recruiting fair for all. Right. I think it will take a while to get there. So from a marketing perspective, what I would love to do is turn Jumpstart into a household brand. Mm. I want every student, every graduate, every job seeker, but also every recruiter out there to know Jumpstart. They don't have mm. to work with us. I want them to know us and understand what we're doing and really subscribe to our mission because mm. we're building a movement. We're not just building a business. Right. And I think if we can influence enough people, then we can make a change in the industry. And then everyone will be talking about diversity and recruiting, not just jumpstart. Mm. What steps are you, what steps are you taking to get there though? I'm, 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 I'm intrigued. <laughs> well, you can build a brand, you know, in a week, Thanks. it takes time. Right. Um, so what we're trying to do right now is take the first steps towards helping people understand a little bit more about diversity and inclusion in the workforce. What does it look like? What are the possibilities? So we're trying to educate. Mm. We're actually launching a podcast. Mm. This is a bit of a secret, so I'm telling you first, but okay, we're going to be okay. launching a podcast where we'll talk with leaders mm. in DNI that will mm -hmm. share their journey, right? How did they convince their CEO to actually spend time and money on their initiatives? How did they get the entire team on board? What are they doing day to day to make sure that their hiring process is inclusive? Because people, people talk about diversity and inclusion all the time, all the time. but mo most people don't do anything. They talk, they don't walk the walk. Yep. And it's not because they don't want to, more often than not, it's because they're scared. They don't know what to do. Right. So our goal is to educate. 
And not just based on what we think is right, right. but based on what everyone else in the industry is doing. Whether they're succeeding or failing, we want to share that so that everyone can learn from the experience. That's hey, that's that's going to be amazing. Let me know when that <laughs> when that when that comes out. Most definitely tapped in with the first episode. Y'all heard it here first, man. Jumpstart podcast coming soon, coming soon, coming soon. But I think my last question, um, I ask everybody on the podcast is like, what what does success mean to Maya? What is that? What does that look like? If you ask me. 10 years ago, I would probably say, you know, title, moving up the ladder, you know, being the best of. I don't think that anymore. And here's why. No matter what title I got, it was awesome for like a week. And then you forget. You, you just do the job. You don't, you don't think about, you know, hey, I'm a VP. Yep. What success really looks like to me is making an impact. Whether I work for a big company or a small company, whether I'm getting paid or if I'm doing it for free, I just want to know that what I do has meaning and I can impact and influence people. And if I have that, I'm, I consider myself successful. That's phenomenal. Um, we appreciate you for sure. Where, where can the people find you? Where can they purchase Invaluable? You also had a career toolkit, right? So yeah, please let the people know where they can go support you, um, connect with you, and, and, su and support you. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Maya Grossman. And if you go to my website, mayagrossman.com, as you mentioned, you can download the Career Development Toolkit for free. Uh, you can also see a workshop that I did recently. Um, just go to the workshop tab right. on the website. Um, but yeah, that's mostly where I'm active yep. and I'm always sharing content on LinkedIn. So feel free to follow me. Uh, I try to do it almost daily, but it's very hard no, it's tough. <laughs> to get it's that tough. much content out there. <laughs> um, but I definitely try. Well, we appreciate you trying and appreciate you being the thought leader in the, in the marketing space. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Peace. Listening to the Spark Your Success podcast. As always, we hope you enjoyed. Be sure to leave us a five star rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Until next time, start, scale, and spark your success. Spark your success.